Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are an independent Star Trek podcast brought to you just about every two weeks from DeltaJulietMike.com and Starbase 248. And Heather Kirby, what's your Starbase? Mine is 248. 614. Starbase 248 and Starbase 614. Hi, everybody. I'm David Majors. I am joined by my fantastic co-host at NerdyGal33, Heather it is genuinely a joy to talk with you again. You you brighten my day with each and every podcast we do. What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm glad I could brighten someone's day. Uh, it, 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 it's been a hell of a week, but I'm here and we're going to talk some Star Trek. So It is. It is. It's, it's been a hell of a week and we are going to talk about some Star Trek. Now, if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. Hello. Hi, I'm David. She's Heather. It's a podcast. We talk about Star Trek. Say hi to your friends. Tell everybody about Promenade Merchants. We do a three-act format with our podcast where we do old business, where we talk about classic Star Trek and pretty much everything in what's now known as legacy Star Trek, up to and including the Kelvin movies. New business, which we'll get into a little bit later where we talk about what's happening with Star Trek right now in the moment and whatever Trek stories we may have going on in our lives currently. And then upcoming, we go to what might be happening later on in the future, somewhere down the line. And we'll have a lot to talk about later in upcoming business because I have some things to say about some things we've been seeing from Star Trek lately. I have some things to say. But before we get into that, Heather, uh, we have... Uh, some more important news to talk about. Uh, and that, of course, is Academy Award winning actress Louise Fletcher. Yes. I, I, I don't know where to start with that. <laughs> no, all right, I'll take it. I'll, I'll clear that up. Uh, yes, Academy Award winning actress Louise Fletcher, who passed away at the age of 88, probably best known for her role as Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which won her the Oscar for Best Actress. But to Trekkies, she was best known and will always be remembered as the unforgettable Bajoran leader in some circles that I like to call and others call Space Karen the infamous villainous Kai Win Adami from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Talk yeah. about Star Trek villains, Heather. And I, I always felt like Kai Win was a very, very special kind of villain. Uh, and I, I would love to hear some of your favorite Kai Win moments. Kai Win is just an absolutely the epitome of an excellent villain. And by that, I mean, there's plenty of villains where you can just be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They, they were there. Um, the epitome of a good villain is one that you love to hate. And Kai Wynn is definitely one of those people. Uh, she really just made an impact. And, I mean, I don't think I could really tell you one specific point that stuck out to me. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So I can tell you one specific point that really stuck out to me. And that was uh, her hooking up with Ducat. 
Oh, man. Yeah, buddy. I mean, I think that was definitely the most cringeworthy um, Kaiwin moment. But I, I, I like to look at Kaiwin, and I, I mean, I know people want to call her like Space Karen. I'd like to look at the Vedics of DS9 as like different representations of the good and bad of religion. And so Kaiwin is like the unscrupulous Catholic priest of DS9, yes. in my opinion. Yes. Uh, she corrupt be- beyond imagining. Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 all, I, always abusing their power. Sorry. Yeah, go on. I, I, I mean, she she's absolutely corrupt and abusing her power, but she does it for the prophets. Like, I don't think she does it for her own personal gain. She does it out of, like, jealousy and wanting to become closer to the the prophets who, who they consider gods. And she does it wanting to be closer to God, basically. And so that's the most villainous kind of villain who is not really doing it for her own game, but doing it for a absolutely ridiculous reason. Um, I think that you really nailed something there. And that's the word jealousy. A lot of Kai Wynn's character throughout the entirety of the series was built upon her jealousy of various people, whether it was her jealousy of the Vedic that was going to be Kai, whose name escapes me, Kai Opaka. Uh, she was jealous of her. And next thing you know, Kai Opaka mysteriously disappeared and mysteriously died. And Kai Wynn was promoted uh she was jealous of benjamin cisco and his connection with the prophets being their emissary that really drove her over the edge in many many different scenarios uh she was jealous of vedic barail who had a much more peaceful zen-like outlook about the bajoran religion and faith where she was much more focused on putting herself in a position where she could be closer to the prophets. She was jealous in some ways of Major Kira, who was seen as a hero being a part of the Majoran, the Majoran resistance. And she wanted to be seen as a hero as well. And I think jealousy can really drive a good villain because a great villain always believes they're the hero in the story. And I think Kai Wynn, for all her condescension, my child, she really believed she was doing the right thing uh, in spite of her jealousies. Well, yeah, and, and the thing that really always hit me about Kai Wynn, and I forget which episode it happened, was towards the, the later end of, of DS9. But uh, when she, and I, I, I think it was when she was talking to Kira, probably. Um, but she says she never had a vision from the orbs. 
because the orbs are, are, are designed as gifts from the prophets to give them visions and, and, and Kaiwin in all of her time and all of her rise through their religion never had a vision. And I, I think that's a, a huge part of what drives her jealousy because she keeps feeling like she can do, if she can get over top of these people who are closer to the prophets, who have had visions, then it, like it will bring her closer to the prophets. It doesn't, mind you. It really doesn't. And it pisses her off. <laughs> it really pisses her off. But but that that was the moment when I'm like, okay, now I I understand her, her drive more, and it really is jealousy. It, it it's being jealous of all these other people that are closer closer to God than she is. And on Bajor, their faith is a part of everything that they are, and she was the highest religious leader on the planet. And for her to not have a vision from the prophets, you know that had to eat at her, especially given that there was a human who had visions before she did. And she dedicated her life to that. So in the end, for her to turn over to the Pa Wraiths in her own way made a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. But... I would say that she definitely is one of the great Star Trek villains that should not be glossed over or forgotten. She She's very smarmy. She's condescending. And she believes in herself and her faith to a fault until the end. And that made for a really great character played exceptionally well by Louise Fletcher. She she played her so perfectly. Yeah. Um and and I was talking with a few people the other day and they were like I did not realize or I I, I didn't think Louise Fletcher was that age. Like I the, they thought she was older than she was. She died at the age of 88. Um, which is about, I, I, I mean, that's close to, I forget off the top of that's my head. The, ca- the, the age of the cast members of the original series at this point. Yeah. Um, so they, they were like, I thought she was older. And I think it's because like, she came off as she was older as Kai Wynn. Cause she, she comes off as a very, um, scolding grandmother. <laughs> yes even though she was probably only in her 50s at the time uh when she played her but she definitely comes off as a scolding grandmother so yeah i didn't think about it when they said that like oh i i i thought she would be older i'm like damn she was 88 she was she was pretty old but no i I, now i get that like um and, and that just kind of shows the the gravitas that Louise Fletcher had as an actress. She was just an incredible actress. And from everything I've heard from people who actually had the opportunity to meet her, a wonderful woman. That's fantastic. Um, Her performances will be remembered forever. Condolences to her friends and family. And I think that the phrase, my child, 
will last for a very, very long time. And she left a legacy with some great performances and a great character. And I think that's something every actor wants. So cheers and rest in peace to Miss Louise Fletcher. Yes. Moving on into new business, uh, on a lighter note, uh, Heather, if you know me, you know I like a little bit of mischief and shenanigans. Yes, and yes you do. I do. So I was able to check something off of my bucket list yesterday before we recorded. I went with some friends to the Michigan Renaissance Festival. And... I remember seeing something on the internet many, many moons ago that there was this idea of what would you do if you were a Star Trek fan at a Renaissance festival? If you were in your Star Trek uniform at a Renaissance festival, how much fun would that be to pretend as if you're in an episode of the original series or something or you're lost in a time travel episode? And that's exactly what I did. I showed up with my friends in my Starfleet Strange New Worlds uniform. I still don't have the tricorder and phaser that I ordered, but they're on the way. But at the Michigan Renaissance Festival, I went there with my Star Trek uniform. And it really was a blast, Heather. It really was a blast. I'm glad you had fun. (laughs) (laughs) and you know the best thing about it is that people that were there they totally got it they played along perfectly i had a couple of people ask me about the temporal prime directive i had some people say what year it was to me and tell me where i was and everything and in so many ways it felt like a convention which renaissance festivals really are in their own way And people really got it, and I appreciated that. And I had a really good time. I saw Joust. I had a turkey leg. I had a really strong Long Island iced margarita. And me and my friends, we all had a really good day, despite being really, really sore when I got home. Yeah. A lot of walking. A lot of walking. You know, I I like to always say... um, Nerds in general are 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 nerds, okay? Like y- you can be a Star Trek nerd or a Renaissance nerd, but they go together very well. And so, I I have been to many a Renaissance festival. I love the Renaissance festival. Um, so I can see as, as much as to the average person who would look at it and be like, "Why would you show up at a Renaissance festival in your Star Trek uniform?" Um, yeah, to us nerds. It makes sense. It really, really did. And I'm really happy it worked out so well. So I I got to check that off my bucket list. If you are a Trekkie and you have a uniform, I highly recommend you do it once. It's a fun time. It really, really is. Moving on with new business, Heather, let's talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, we're still in season three. We're halfway through season three already which is really wild to think about. Uh, But let's get started with season three, episode four, which was Room for Growth, where we saw the crew of the Cerritos 
dealing with Delta Shift and trying to get some perks, and the crew of the Cerritos spending some relaxing time at the Dove. What do you think of this episode? You know, I I think this is probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, I really liked it. I, I like both the A and B stories, um, which I, I don't think I could really say that for any of the other episodes, except for maybe the premiere. Um, that's because the premiere didn't really have a B story. But anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, I like both the A and B stories, and it was just a, a, a fun, feel-good episode, I think. I think it, it really showed um, a lot about working together and and loyalty and like when it came to like rutherford and and billups and the engineering crew um it 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 showed how different people and different mentalities um de-stress differently uh so I, i i think i really appreciated that aspect of it um so yeah, I, I liked it as a whole. I like this episode too. I especially liked Captain Freeman in this episode. I think that Don Lewis did a great job of showing every level of stress that Captain Freeman was suffering from, uh, especially when she went over the edge and had to be escorted away to help calm down. I think that was like the highlight of this episode for me where Captain Freeman was trying everything she could to get the engineering crew to stop tinkering with stuff and just relax until she realized that's how they relax. That's that's what they do. I get yeah. it now. The B plot for me, I found it to be okay. Um, it didn't blow me away, but it was nice to see the lower deckers have a common goal and kind of unite as one and use the power of friendship since this is animation that can happen. Uh, And it had kind of a comedic end, which worked out okay. And I thought this episode was okay. I liked it. I thought probably not my favorite episode so far this season, but I liked it well enough. I thought it was okay. All right. Well, that's a twist folks. (laughs) (laughs) i didn't hate it i I thought it was good enough i thought it was good uh episode five reflections uh i will say i really liked this one uh rutherford's implants malfunction and then we see an alternate personality an alternate version of samantha rutherford take over his cybernetics and his body and this version of rutherford happens to be a younger version of him Meanwhile, Boimler and Mariner are stuck on Starfleet recruiting duty, which is very relatable. Man, is that relatable. And they're not doing too well with recruiting, especially thanks to a former Starfleet officer, Petra Eberdeen. I really enjoyed this episode, Heather. I thought that all three acts of the episode were pretty good. I enjoyed the A and B plot a lot. And I thought that we saw a, a, a great ending. I really liked how it ended. How about you? Um, I enjoyed 
watching Mariner and Boimler at the recruiting fair. Um, it, it, it reminded me of those like uh, it, it job fairs that you went to in like elementary <laughs> school yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. When it comes to Rutherford, I, I, I'm left with more questions than answers. And I don't like leaving shit like that because I know we're not going to get any answers about this anytime soon. Okay, we really aren't. Um, I I just it it the the personality shift between his younger personality and his current personality is extremely different. Like, with the exception that they're both very good engineers, there's no similarities there whatsoever, and it it's confusing to me um it it seems like that was a intentional choice to do that and i'm not quite sure why um like i said there's a lot more questions than answers like clearly he was working with someone in starfleet that he was taking advantage of a brash young talent and that's how he got injured and got the implant in the first place. Um, I don't know who it could be. Um, I don't think it's Section 31. That's why I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Um, Damn. Nope. Not Section 31. Um, but I, I like it. It's just, I'm glad we got to visit this and learn more about his background. Um, But it's going to drive me crazy because we probably won't come back to this until next season. Like this is not something as much as like, yes, it's about all four of them. Mariner's the lead character on the show. Okay. So I don't see us. You don't think it's Boimler? No. No, it, okay. it, 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 it's clearly Mariner is the lead character on this show. Um, so I, I don't see us revisiting Rutherford's past until the next season of Lower Decks. So I, I, I just, I hate that we got left with so many questions still about what happened to him. And uh, it's going to drive me nuts until we get more. <laughs> I guess I'm okay with what we saw from Rutherford and what happened to him and the fact that you're probably right. We're just going to put a pin in that for now. I'm okay with that because I have faith we'll get to it eventually. It may not be this season, but I do believe we'll eventually get there. I, I think that the people that make Lower Decks understands its audience and won't leave them hanging forever. They might play with you a little bit and poke at you and poke at everybody's little nerd brain and drive everybody crazy, but eventually I think they'll get there. I I believe that. So I'm okay with leaving that where it is for now because I believe we'll get there. I liked the personality contrast between the two because it made me think of something, and, and you just made me think of something now, Heather. In relation to the cybernetic implant, do you think the personality change has something to do with the cybernetic implant? Um, 
I, I, I mean, do you think like, I, I, are you asking, did him getting the implant cause the change? No, I think they purposely changed his personality when they removed all of his memories. I don't, I don't okay. think the, impl- the implant caused it. Okay, that that's kind of what I was getting at. That that's sort of what I was getting around to. So you put that in better words than I did. Yes, I think that something or or someone did something to Samantha Rutherford to change his personality because he was definitely more rough around the edges. Uh, a talented engineer still, but probably someone that needed to be that they thought that needed to be smoothed out. And I imagine we'll find out who that is. I liked the animation in the Starship race. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Just to move to the B-plot for a second, I really had fun with this because I have been on both sides of this. I've had to be the recruiter, and I've also been recruited at, at these job fairs. And it was very entertaining. What did you think of Petra Aberdeen? What do you think they're going to do with her? Well, my immediate thought was that was supposed to be Vash. And they couldn't get the actress who played Vash to come voice her. Voice her. (laughs) Uh, So that that was my immediate thought. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I... I do believe we will see her again. I do believe we will see her again before the end of season three. I agree. And I think that something got to Mariner on that recruiting trip. I think we're starting to see just how much Mariner can handle, whether it's dealing with Ransom being on her and seeing what people outside of Starfleet get to do with their lives. I think we're definitely going to see her come back, and that might be a point that we'll put a pin in and come back to. I think we'll come back to that one as well. A lot of lot of seeds planted in this episode, uh, including one more instance of Bold Boimler. And we saw Bold Boimler kind of loses you-know-what over people dog and Starfleet, and... I thought this was great. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I yeah, I loved it too. Um, I I love that his breaking point was when they took his rank pit. <laughs> like that 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 was when he finally lost it. Was when they took his rank pit. Oh, you can get another. That's my rank pit. <laughs> um, so I I think. Yeah, I I think if Boimler's gonna lose his shit over anything, it is going to be over his loyalty and to Starfleet. So it made complete sense, and it was nice to see Boimler be the one get in trouble for once instead of Mariner. So there is one thing from this episode, Heather, that I have to admit to you and to the listeners of the podcast. The conspiracy theorist aliens, uh, when they went up to the booth for Starfleet, the first thing they asked was, when are we going to find out what happened with Benjamin Sisko? And I was sitting on my couch and I saw that on the TV and I screamed, damn right. When are we going to find out? 
And I I just want to say thanks to Mike McMahon and the cast and crew at Lord Dex for putting that out there because I I am a part of the where is Ben Cisco conspiracy theory people. I would like to know that 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 was very satisfying and so far season three we're getting a little bit more ds9 love and and i really appreciate that i really do now i you know i don't watch the ready room do you watch the ready room i watched the ready room for previews of the next episodes okay did you watch the ready room episode after this lower decks episode Yes, I did. So you know what's coming next week. I do know what's coming this coming week. Okay. We are finally, finally seeing Deep Space Nine on Lower Decks. I'm, I'm so happy, Heather. I'm so happy. And the, the title of that episode, and I, I forget what it is off the top of my head. So. Oh, I haven't seen the title yet. That I don't know. The title of the episode um, sounds like something Garrick would say. So, mm. um, yeah, because it's something along or I, I, I don't want to sit there because I can't remember what it was. I know I heard it somewhere, but it, it definitely sounds like something Garrick would say. So um, fingers crossed we might see Garrick next week. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Any cameo from any of the cast of DS9, I would welcome just with open arms. Just anything that gives us some kind of love for DS9, I'm always here for. And I'm just Googling very quickly. I can't find the title for this episode. I really can't. It's, it's out there. Because uh, like I said, I know some someone pulled it up. So, um... I, I, maybe I'll rewatch the maybe I'll rewatch the ready room and check that out. But yeah, yeah, yeah it should probably it, it must be something good. It must be. But yes, finally, DS Nine is getting love on lower decks. I'm I'm excited. We're excited collectively as a podcast. Yes. Moving into upcoming business, Heather. Yes. Have you seen this? <laughs> this marketing campaign that cbs paramount plus is trying to come up with for star trek where they say the starship is landing we have all seen it i ask you heather what the hell is this supposed to mean well you know i'm gonna be honest i have no idea and i think that's pretty what's everyone's reaction to it is they have no idea um it started out before star trek day it was the starship is landing then after star trek day it was the enterprise is landing and then at the start of a few weeks after that it was the discovery is landing um so even kate mulgrew tweeted something Along the lines of, you know, uh, come New York Comic Con week, it better be the Voyager is landing because guess what? The Voyager was the only one that actually landed. <laughs> uh, Which brings me to the landing, landing, with the exception of Voyager, 
the only time the starships land is when they're crash landing and getting destroyed. I would like to talk to the person who came up with this and find out just what were they thinking. Because this is just so... Here's the thing. Sorry. I mean, when you want to talk about... I'm not quite sure exactly how much money they actually made off this marketing campaign. Because everyone... Like, I don't know anyone who has actually bought anything that has that plastered all over it. But the one success that they have had with this is that it got people talking. (laughs) Now, did it get people talking in a good way? No. No. But it still got people talking about it. So, I mean, to think you could call it a 50% win? I, I I don't know how much money they have actually made off of this. Um, which would, would be the entire point of a marketing campaign is to make money off of their merch sales of this. Um, so, because I, 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 I don't know how, how they're making any money off of this. But um, it sure got people talking. It really did. It got people talking. You're absolutely right about that, Heather. You are definitely right. It got people talking about how bad the slogan is. It got people talking about how Trekkies want nothing to do with this. Kind of like the NFTs. And it's got me wanting to talk about how somebody at Paramount, at CBS, whoever, really has no idea what they're doing when it comes to marketing Star Trek. And for years, Star Trek has had problems with promoting itself and selling itself. And it just continues to just trip and fall over itself trying to promote and do things. It shouldn't be this hard. Other franchises are able to promote and market themselves to audiences of all ages. And yet Star Trek still finds a way to get it wrong. And as a fan, it is frustrating because I feel like it shouldn't be that hard to market and promote Star Trek. And yet here we are talking about how bad this is. And it's just one on top of another on top of another thing that CBS has done in recent years that just seems like they're just fumbling the bag with Star Trek repeatedly. Well, here's the thing. I don't think they're completely failing. And that's part of the problem. Okay? Because the the whole concept of... Uh, they have to be making some sort of money out of these harebrained marketing schemes that they come up with. But they're not marketing to Trekkies as a whole, which is why we're collectively sitting there going, you know, you should do this and you should do that and you can make all sorts of money. They're making money from the people who don't know any better. Okay? 
do they realize that they could make a lot more money marketing to diehard Trekkies? No, they don't. Because they're still making money from people who don't know any better, which is why they keep doing it. Because guess what? They don't have to market to Trekkies. You know why? Because we're still going to show up. We're still going to pay $5.99 a month for Paramount Plus subscription. And we're still going to watch every single damn episode they put out, no matter how bad their fucking marketing campaign is. So they don't have to market to us. That's us, the diehard Trekkies. But but they're bringing in new people who don't know any better, who will buy this harebrained marketing shit that says the starship is, is landing. You know what I mean? Like, if they hadn't made any money off the original launch of the starship is landing, we would have never gotten the Enterprise's landing. We would have never gotten the Discovery's landing. If they weren't making any money off of it, we wouldn't have gotten future iterations of it. So they have to be making some sort of money. Because if they weren't making money, they wouldn't do it. But we're sitting there questioning their marketing decisions. They're not marketing to diehard Trek fans. Because they don't have to. They're marketing to the new people that they want to bring into the franchise. This sounds like a conversation I've had on another podcast I've been on. And fandom is weird. It really is. I, I, I if mean, this, if this is working, cool. Yeah. I hope it is. I hope more people subscribe to Paramount Plus and appreciate Star Trek. I hope it, I hope they do. I hope it does work. It's still weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, we we consider it weird because it's not marketed to us. And, and I think that's the one thing Trek fans are clamoring for. They're like, well, we want to buy this. Well, we want to buy that. And they're not making these products. Yeah, they're not. But that's because they haven't tried because they're making easy money off the people that don't know any better. Because guess what? The world is full of schmucks <laughs> and people you can take advantage of and get easy money off of. They're going for the easy money, not for the hard money. That's no excuse for not having a uniform store. Well, they, they, their, they whole, could have a- their, their whole contract and licensing agreement is a whole nother discussion, which we would take a another hour or two hour and a half long yeah. to talk about so we're not going to talk about that tonight yeah no we're not no we're not i just it's it's a thing if it's working great it's that's all i'm gonna say if it's working fantastic but Heather, thank you for making the case for the Starship is Landing. I, I think that you're, what you're saying is definitely valid. It's absolutely valid. It's still a little obtuse to me, to my ears, but I'm willing to go along with it if more people watch Star Trek. It's just like with Star Trek Prodigy. 
if this gets younger audiences to watch Star Trek, I'm all for it. 100%. And that's okay. I don't quite get it, and that's okay. I am okay with not getting everything 100% of the time. So the starship is landing. And we hope it lands safely and doesn't crash and burn. It's just as long as Deep Space Nine doesn't land. Space stations are not supposed to land, folks. Never. They're not even supposed to move that much. Yeah. Heather, thank you again for doing this episode of Promenade Merchants with me. It's always a pleasure. You've lifted my spirits. I was in a bit of a down mood today, and doing this podcast with you really lifted my mood up. So... For the 58th time, I say thank you for doing this with me. Well, yeah, like, like I said, I, I've, I've had a crazy, no good, awful, everything gone wrong week. So this was probably the highlight of my week. So thank you. Everybody, follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. And remember to never apologize for being nerdy. Heather's pretty great. So follow her. She talks about SVU, which is pretty great in my opinion. And just give her a follow. She's fantastic. I'm at Call Me DJM. I talk about stuff. You can follow me or not. I don't know. It's up to you. Most importantly, follow the podcast at Prom TrekPod on Twitter. That's Prom P R O M TrekPod on Twitter. Send us an email if you're listening at Promenade TrekPod at gmail.com promenade trekpod at gmail.com for heather kirby i'm david majors thank you for listening live long and kick ass which is probably a worse marketing slogan than the starship is landing who knows maybe i've been wrong all along <laughs>